So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite stay. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast, Ruin My Childhood. I'm Phil, and with me is Eric. Hey, Phil. Uh, can you give me a second? I'll be right back. Hello? Hello. Is Christina there? No, she's not available. May I take a message? Uh, yeah, but... um. I guess, sorry. I'm a friend of hers from group. I go, oh, shit. From her shit? Um, look, just uh, tell her I'm from group. I'm Charlie. She's got my number. Oh, she goes to group? Look, I shouldn't have. Uh, just tell her that Charlie called. And I will do exactly that, Charlie. Once you tell me what kind of group we're talking about, is it That's, A, yeah, N, A? Well, you sound exactly like she <laughs> describes you. Uh, she talks about me in group? Uh, look, I don't think I can really talk about that. What did she say about me? Well, she loves you very much. Oh, what does she love about me? Oh, uh, okay, well, she loves that you're creative. You love art and TV and movies. Okay, well, lots of people love movies. Yeah, but she says you love scary movies and that you guys have that in common. She's proud of making a fan out of you. She is? Yeah. She told me the other day, she wonders, what's your favorite scary movie? Uh, The Babadook. It's an amazing meditation on motherhood and grief. <laughs> Isn't that a little fancy pants? Well, it's elevated horror. Uh-huh. Uh, what does that mean, elevated horror? You know, it's like scary, but with complex emotional and thematic underpinnings. It's not just some schlocky cheeseball nonsense with wall-to-wall -wall scares. Hmm, that sounds kind of boring to me. Have you ever seen Stab? Once, I think. At a sleepover when I was like 12. <laughs> you live in Woodsboro, and you don't know Stab? Well, your mother loves that movie. She talks about it all the time in group. How well do you remember the original? I don't know. And it was like super 90s. Huh. It was like really overlit. Everyone had weird hair. Uh -huh. Do you remember the beginning? Not really. I mean, it started with the kill scene, right? They always started with the kill scene. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It's a girl at home, alone. She answers a wrong number and starts talking with the killer who makes her play a game. Would you like to play a game, Tara? Now, obviously, everybody knows you're not supposed to say I'll be right back in a horror movie, but this movie franchise has been back now five times, so I guess it's okay to say it. 
That's right. We're going to be talking about Scream 2022, I guess is the title, because it is just Scream. Uh, It's the fifth installment in the Scream franchise. And for those of you keeping score, Eric and I did a look back at the entire Scream franchise, or at least the first four, quite a while ago in our first season. So if you want to get our, our ideas on the first four movies, go back and take a listen to that. But for this, we're going to dive into this. This is the first requel that the Scream franchise has brought to us. Now, the first one obviously was an original. The second, a sequel. The third was the supposed to be the end of a trilogy. And then the fourth was supposed to be a reboot. Uh, and it didn't really go all that well, uh, that fourth film. But the fifth film now is jumping on the trend of requels where you take something old and just make it shiny and new with allusions back to the original. So, and there were quite a few in Scream 5 or, or Scream. Or, what are we going to call this as the, the while just we talk Scream about it? Just Scream 5. Come on. We're Scream 5. We're, I mean, we're they beyond missed, being cute here. We are. They missed an opportunity, though, to have the 5 as the S in Scream. And it's funny because there's kind of a meta joke about that in the movie. But well, we'll get there in a minute. And I, I agree, except for the fact that Five Cream uh, is this really <laughs> popular porn, and they right. just did not want opposite synergy there. So Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Although this is originally a Weinstein production, so it seems like that's appropriate. And, and that's... Zing. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, Scream 5 came out January 14th of 2022. Uh, a total runtime of 114 minutes, so it's a pretty pretty long horror film, you know, just under two hours. And the budget for it was $24 million, and it returned $138 million. So it did pretty darn well in its release in theaters in, you know, return from the holidays with COVID still running rampant out there in the world. So you went and saw it. Yeah. So Eric, what are your thoughts? I was super intrigued. Because you're, uh, they were bringing back the OG cast, which was fine. They've they've had OG cast throughout. Uh, Nev Campbell's been in all of them, so that that still makes this feel, even though, like you said, it's a requel, which I guess is rebooting a sequel or rebooting a reboot or remaking a sequel, depending on <laughs> how you want to look at it. Um, but uh, so I was glad that Nev was back. I like Courtney Cox was back. David Arquette. Uh, here is the thing, though, and this is this is where I just really want to get right at it. Uh, to somewhat paraphrase uh, Jeff Winger, Joel McHale from Community, Abed, why do you always have to take reality and shove it back up its ass? <laughs> That's not the exact quote, but you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying here. Mm-hmm. I was overwhelmed with the meta. I just, it, it's, Scream has always been the meta horror movie, introducing mm-hmm. us to the rules. And then, and and Jamie Kennedy was great. I really thought they did a great job in the original trilogy portion of it with, you know, Jamie going through the rules in Scream. That was super duper cool because that's the kind of thing like back then in the 95, 96 era there, like people kind of talked about that, like things you do right. and don't do in a horror movie, you know, the, you know, why are they doing that instead of doing this? And so that was mm-hmm. super cool. It was funny and it never really been done that way. 
And it was an intense, scary horror film, but it also had that meta fun quality to it. Really cool. Then the sequel. That was great. Jamie Kennedy comes back. Oh, we're in a sequel now. The body count's higher. The kills are more gruesome. And then, brilliant, because I, when we talked about this, I hadn't seen Scream 3 in its original. I never saw it at the theater, and it pretty much got by me mm-hmm. until we did that podcast. And I love, like, I'm like, how are they going to do the rules? And they bring back Jamie Kennedy's, like, oh, I'm on tape. So if you're watching this tape, that means I didn't survive. So now we're in a trilogy. And I was like, oh, that is so cool. But that only can go so long. I think the trilogy was a perfect package. Mm -hmm. The reboot had some hits, but also had some misses. But now this requel, gosh, man. That whole scene where Jamie Kennedy's niece is going through the new definitions of what a requel is, how you bring back OG cast and you got to introduce new players, but there's still got to be a tie to the past, but it's still Mm got to be something new. I was so bored with that because I really felt like I'd seen that scene way too many times. And by by the truest definition i have that was the fifth time i've actually seen that scene and i think that was the longest of all the rule scenes in any of the movies it was it was because there were a lot of questions and people were starting to cast doubt on each other right in that living room so yeah it was it was pretty long in addition to that i think there's been too much requel reboot sequel whatever we're calling them now that it's almost like Scream was just a little late to the party with it because we've already seen this play out in Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're starting, you know, we saw it with Ghostbusters Afterlife. We've already seen enough of these. The movie is made 20 years after the last film was made type scenario, even though I know it's not 20 years with Scream here since the last time we saw a scream movie on the screen, but we've still seen it. So it's not something new. It's not the cutting edge. It's you're not bringing anything to my attention. That's not already been out there. So I guess my opening gambit in this discussion is just to say the meta-ness was overused. And I think a little unnecessary. What would you say? So I, I do agree with you. I, but I also appreciate that the movie continues to know what it is. Um, and so a lot of the meta aspects of it, I was expecting. And although some of it was heavy handed, I also appreciated it at the same time. I think you're right. We're living in an era of requels right now. We've had Ghostbusters Afterlife. We talked Matrix. Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted. We, I've just recently watched Candyman which came out in 2021, and that was a requel from the original Candyman, cutting out all the other sequels of Candyman. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre just released uh, a movie on Netflix. That's a requel directly from the original, cutting out all the stuff in between. Halloween is two-thirds of the way through a new trilogy. So we are living in an era of requels. And if I were to have to stack all these requels up, I think Scream is probably my favorite along with the first of the new Halloweens, even above Ghostbusters Afterlife. Because yeah, Ghostbusters Afterlife, we talked about how it hit all the nostalgia buttons for me. It still didn't feel like, as we talked about on that episode, it didn't necessarily feel like a true Ghostbusters movie. 
Mm-hmm. It felt more like a kid's Spielberg kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Where Scream feels like Scream. For sure. And it's the best Scream that we've gotten since Scream 2, in my opinion. So I was on board and I was okay with it, but I do agree that a lot of it was heavy handed. I just think it was too much. Mm-hmm. It was it was too much because we've we've seen all of this. And yeah. and I know people will interject at this point and talk about like who is this movie made for? And you could argue like 20 somethings right now weren't alive when the original scream came out. Right. Um, so, so like if you're making it for that era or that generation, you could say, well, see, that's fresh to them, but then it might be a fresh movie, but the whole concept is still built on the OG cast. Like they said, it's still the tie to the past. Otherwise they're sitting there going, who's Nev Campbell. Who's right. this person? So it's almost like you had to have been with it from the beginning to even get how it works now. Like we we don't usually talk about other people's uh, other people's properties in this, but right. I just really quickly have to mention uh, pitch meeting. I thought was brilliant. The pitch meeting for Spider Man mm-hmm. No Way Home. Did you see that yet? Yes. Yeah. I love the beginning where. And I'm not going to explain what pitch meeting is. You know or you don't. It's a it's a <laughs> it's a writer explaining to a producer his new concept of a movie, and he basically makes fun of the movie the same way we've got uh, how it should have ended, or any number of other uh, yeah you know YouTube kind of make fun of mm-hmm. yeah. So he's telling this producer like, oh yeah, we got Spider Man. Oh great, another Spider Man movie. That's going to be cool. Yeah, and we got Alfred Molina coming back as Doctor Octopus, and the producer goes, oh okay, yeah, and we got Jamie Kennedy coming back as Electro. Oh okay. And he's like, Jamie you're not, Fox. <laughs> you're Jamie Foxx <laughs> and Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. Uh, he said, and the producer's just not getting it. And he's like, have you seen the other Spider-Man movies? And he, no, he goes, sir, I'm going to need you to go watch nine and a half hours of films for me. <laughs> so then he comes back and he's like, oh, okay. I get it now. He's like, yeah, we're going to have Tobey Maguire come back. Wow. He's from the other movie. He goes, that's the reaction I wanted. <laughs> yep. So, Ultimately, if you haven't been with some of this stuff now, then it there's no payoff. Seeing Nev Campbell and David Arquette means nothing to a 25-year-old who's like, oh, yeah, I saw this Scream 4. I never saw the originals, but Scream 4. So you can't even appreciate a whole subplot of the movie because you're just not up to speed. So, again, right. who are they made for? I think they're made for us because we're the only ones getting the deep cuts here. Yeah. I think there it's kind of a, a weird balancing act that they're trying to it is to or tightrope maybe even that they're trying to walk because when you think about horror movies and and people that love horror movies you generally only go and watch the original when something's outside of your your timeline of your life so like for me growing up I saw the original Friday the 13th the most. I saw the original Nightmare on Elm Street the most. I saw, you know, all of the the originals, the firsts, are the ones that I've seen more than any other sequel. And so when you think about the new generation that loves horror movies that's going to go see the new Scream, they probably have only really watched the first one. Maybe they've seen the fourth. Maybe they've seen all of them. But because the first is such a new cult classic Mm -hmm. 
they most likely have seen just the first and are now seeing the fifth. And so I think that's also part of this too, is that they're, they're really banking on their audience, knowing the lore from the first movie only, and then going into this appreciating that. Because everything was a callback to the first movie, and there were very few callbacks to any other. Right. Um, so d- diving in, though, how did you, did you figure anything out early on, or did it, did you have to get to the end to figure out what, who they were, who the killers were? Um, I, I pretty much had to, to get to the end. Um, mm-hmm. Because at one point, I thought I knew what way it was going, and then I didn't. But I'm throwing a flag on it because I'd say it was a little bit deceptive in my opinion. I don't think – I think my suspension of disbelief was pretty much stretched to the limits mm-hmm. um, as far as uh, who one of the killers was. So okay. so to me, I'd, I'd already ruled all that out. And then when they revealed it, I was immediately like going back to the – you know, I was the referee under the hood <laughs> watching the <laughs> replay the going, nope, 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 I'm not buying that. All right, so let's let's talk through that. So before we get there, though, let's talk about the new cast. So obviously you already mentioned we have the OG, Neff Campbell, Courtney Cox, and David Arquette reprising their roles as Sidney Prescott, Gail Weathers, and Dewey Riley. But we have the new cast that we've rounded out, which is Melissa Barrera as Sam Carpenter, and she's kind of the new final girl that we're getting. Um, Jack Quaid as Richie and Jack Quaid plays, um, Melissa Barrera's boyfriend, Richie. Um, Mikey Madison is Amber. Jenna Ortega is Tara. So Tara is Sam's little sister and she's the first one who gets attacked in the movie. And then Dylan Minnette is Wes Hicks. Um, and then the two Meeks nephew slash niece the twins jasmine and mason are mindy and chad and they're like you you mentioned um the the niece and nephew of what's his name <laughs> of randy and then we have judy hicks back from the fourth movie so she's kind of the only person that's carried through from number four uh and then skeet ulrich as billy loomis that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So Skeet Ulrich did hit, you know, he, he was in the film and they did some de-aging, both makeup and digital, like CGI de-aging for his sequences. So it was pretty cool to get Billy back. But how did you feel about the tie to it? So, so now that I've just talked through the cast, we find out in the film that Sam Carpenter is actually Billy's daughter. Um, and so his, her mom was with Billy before he died, gave birth to Sam. Sam found out, confronted her mother, and then it divided up her family. Uh, her father left, or her stepfather, you know, whatever we call it, but Tara's dad left and completely divided the family, which is why Sam ran away. But somebody obviously found out that she was Billy's daughter, and that's why this whole chain of events has started. But what did you think about that tie to the past? It's thin. <laughs> it's yeah. very, very thin. As is the motivations for the killers. I, 
I, I think every one of these screams is a little bit less and less and less of a, uh, how do I want to say this? I think every killer's motivation in each of the screams gets thinner and thinner and thinner in every sequel because mm-hmm. yeah, Billy and blanking on his name, Stu, Billy and Stu were just two kids way too obsessed with horror movies decided to just be killers. You can believe that in the sense of there's a lot of really crazy high school kids who take things too far sometimes. Mm-hmm. But then I'm expected to believe that Billy's mom, to this point, as far as I know, a completely normal, sane person, decides that she's mad that her son died. So now she's going to be a serial killer with another film buff partner mm-hmm. and kind of mask the whole thing but sort of end up killing people who had nothing to do with Billy's death in the first place. I could see if she just wanted to go after Nev Campbell, fine, you know, or maybe, you know, another classmate Mm -hmm. or two, but really there were college people getting killed and murdered for no real reason, except that one was, (laughs) they had a friend or right. And so then their name tied them to the first, to the people that died. So then they start, you know, somewhere in there, they start making the third or they start making the uh, stab movies. And so now that's gets to Hollywood. Well, now we find out Nev Campbell's got a half brother and now Mm -hmm. he's all of a sudden been a Hollywood, uh, whatever he was, producer, you know, director, director, active in Hollywood. And now he decides he's going to be a serial killer. And then in the fourth one, I can't even remember. It was her cousin wanted to. And so now a cousin wants to be a serial killer. Yeah. And now in this one, I mean, honestly, I can't even really remember the real motivation behind this because again, to this point, I have to believe that uh, the two killers were just normal people, but it, it just, the motivations just get so thin by the end. And then the fact that it had to tie still to the original. So who can we get? Because we've already killed everybody else off. What if (laughs) Billy Loomis had a daughter? I mean, Mm -hmm. in the one hand, I don't mind it, but on the other hand, I'm like, this is so weak now because of where it ultimately ended. It's the same kind of leap of faith you have to take from scream three, where Maureen Prescott goes to Hollywood and spends a couple years there and has a son and then goes back to her life in Woodsboro when, when it didn't work out. Mm-hmm. And so you have to kind of make that same leap of faith that Maureen had this whole life that we didn't know about and we're just finding out about in Scream 3. And if you can go along for that ride, then in Scream 5, you can go along for the ride that Billy was really unhappy in his relationship with Sydney since she wouldn't give it up. And he talked about it the whole movie. So yeah, he would have you know, messed around and maybe had a kid. So you have to make that same leap of faith. Um, True, but, the, but Billy's but Billy's offspring is not the killer. Right. That that's just the tie mm-hmm. to Nev Campbell to bring her back. Right. And that's where I say that's that's a thin excuse for bringing mm-hmm. her back. 
Yeah, well, and the the excuse they make in the film is that Dewey dies, and so she comes back. And that's that's why she's there. It's not because of Sam. It's because Dewey's dead, and she comes, even though she said she would never come back to Woodsboro, Dewey's death makes her come back. But that's beside the point. So you, you said you couldn't, you don't really remember the motivation of the characters. Well, the motivation of the characters is that Stab 8, which when I referenced earlier the five oh, scream. that's right. Stab 8, they mentioned yes. it was right there. The B should have been an 8 in Stab 8. And don't even get me started on Ghostface's signature new weapon. That shit is lit. And can we talk about the title, Stab? What, just like the original? Just call it Stab 8. It's fucking Stab 8. You're not fooling mm. anyone. It's just such bullshit. They just called it Stab again, so they made that that joke about stab as they did with scream right right but the the killers loved the franchise and loved the original so much and hated how much of a departure each film has taken from the original so they were planning on getting things back to basics so that whatever they do this killing spree they go on can be made into the true reboot or requel of the franchise and so that's their motivation. They are people who stab eight, ruin their childhood, and they couldn't get over it, so they became serial killers. It's a bummer, it's me. That really was the best choice for the movie. This isn't a fucking movie! No, but it will be. That's the point, right, Amber? Right, hon. Third act, bloodbath, check. Killer's reveal, check. Time for the big finale. <laughs> Someone has to save the franchise. See? No one has made a great stab movie since the first one. Not really. Hey, baby, you want to go get the uh, very ex, Mrs. Riley? Yeah, I do. Hey, hey! Whoa. Whoa. Sydney Prescott. No. I'm a really big fan. Go fuck yourself. You see the last stab movie? Not really a fan of scary movies. That checks out. Anyway, it suck balls. Because nobody takes the true fans seriously. Not really. They just laugh at us. And why? Because we love something? We're just a fucking joke to them? How can fandom be toxic? It's about love. They don't fucking understand these movies are important to people. We're going to help them. Hollywood's totally fucking out of ideas, so we decided we'd give them some new source material to follow, you know? Bring it back to basics. Because that's how you make a great stab movie, Sam. Based on actual events. Ah. Sit the fuck down. You did all this just to make me the hero of your fucked up movie? Sweetie, you're not the hero. You're the villain. The daughter of Billy Loomis who sees fucked up visions of her dead dad. Sidney Prescott killed your father. You did all this just to get her back to Woodsboro. You know what the biggest problem with the Stab movies is? There's no Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. No bad guy to keep coming back. But the illegitimate daughter of the original mastermind? No, that's a fucking villain. How did you know? Oh, about your father? 
mean, it's a small town and your mom's a drunk. I met Richie on the steps, subreddit. I've been obsessed ever since my parents bought this house. We realized pretty quickly we had similar ideas. Wasn't that hard for me to find you in the dust town? It wasn't that hard for me to fuck you either. But I guess being a sexually available woman is supposed to be empowering these days. Fuck you. Well, now you're just quoting the original. <laughs> but it wouldn't work with just you, Sam. See, we had to bring the legacy characters back to make it matter. Can't have a bona fide Halloween without Jamie Lee. Yep. Dewey had to die to make it real. To show that this wasn't just some bullshit, cash-in, run-of-the-mill sequel. Because our movie has fucking stakes! Because anyone can die in a recall. I'm so sorry, We can't let you live either. I mean, surviving this many times. It would just be ridiculous. This time, the fans are going to be the ones who win. That about cover it? Nailed it, baby. <laughs> That's the whole point is that Stab 8 ruined their childhood. And therefore, they went on a killing spree to, to reset the timeline, basically. Right. And I I want to hear now, you, you mentioned before, there are things that you were checking off that didn't make sense. So walk me through some of those, because I probably have the same gripes as you. Well, the biggest one, like the super biggest glaring one, is that little girl was one of the killers, and she literally fought a grown adult man and was able to murder him. I couldn't buy that. Are we at, talking Dewey? At all. Yeah. The the height advantage, the weight advantage, just the fact that Dewey has, and yeah, he's an older man, but he's, he's had- been How many times did he say? True. Nine but times? He's had enough training and he can, he's not just some- just old guy off the street. He was a police officer. And that, uh, I think you should go watch that scene again because she, they don't actually fight. She gets shot by him into the, you know, the chest no, where she's wearing a bulletproof was... vest. But when he goes to shoot her in the, in the head, she immediately stabs him. So yeah, yeah. he's that already part, getting but stabbed. The, but the fight before that, there was a lot of actual, she got thrown into that glass cabinet in the hallway and he had his hands on her. And like, I know he hit her at least once or flipped her or something. And mm -hmm. that's, that's going to take something her, yeah. out of you for sure. And I, I don't know. I just, I couldn't, I, well, yeah. I, I just couldn't buy it. I just couldn't, it just, it just okay. did not make sense. That whole, Okay. I had to, you know, suspension of disbelief there a little bit, but I I could go with it because he is war-torn already. He's gotten stabbed so many times. His strength is not where it should be for a person of his age. And so, yeah, she got hit and flipped over, but she's still running on not, not only the adrenaline, but also she's like 18. So she's in like probably good physical health herself. So her being able to overpower him isn't out of the realm of possibility. Yeah. I, I, like I said, I immediately went under the hood as soon as 
I was like, that was the girl. And then I was mm-hmm. like, cause I went back immediately and I ran that <laughs> fight through my head and I was like, no, no, I don't, I don't buy it. I, I will buy that when he stupidly gets a foot away from her to shoot. She does surprise him and yeah. stab him. That I will give the kill was clean. I don't have any problem with that. I have the problem with the whole hallway scene to that point. Like Mm -hmm. there were just, just too many places there for it to not really make sense. Yeah. Also, this might get nitpicky, but when these killers have these amazingly intricate plots about how they want one thing to end up a one way or another way. And I mean, well, let's even go back to the beginning now. I'm sorry. I'm skipping around, but how, how good of a, you know, surgeon is Richie that he was able to carve up Tara without actually letting her bleed out or die Mm -hmm. because his whole plan was that she would live which then allows now Sam, the sister, to return to town to see her. I suppose even if she died, she's coming back for a funeral, but then you're still down one of the people that you kind of want in your little game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so she didn't survive because she managed to fend off the killer. The killer wanted her to be just cut up enough, but dude, she was pretty battered wouldn't you agree yeah she was so it's kind of sheer luck that she even managed to survive so you got a question like what were richie and amber thinking at that point i don't know that they needed her to survive they but just that's needed what i mean they sam needed to come sam back, to, come so back she, to town if she died sam would have come back for the funeral maybe i think she would have come back I don't know. She didn't visit. If her sister's other... in the hospital, she went back. If her sister died, she would have gone back. Uh, I don't know. Because at that point, the whole reason she stayed away was because of the whole Billy Loomis Woodsboro stigma. And if if it's just for a funeral, I mean, she didn't visit any other family when she came back. I don't know. I just, she had to live. And I think getting all cut up like that, just. Yeah. Okay. It, I don't I... know. Yeah, I think that it was only by chance that she survived. And so they pivoted a little bit on their plan. So then back to the the hallway in the hospital scene, and you've got Richie laying there, who is a killer. And right there, that should have been a clue, because to that point, the killer had just been killing to kill. And for mm-hmm. him or her, because we don't know at that point, to have just been like, ugh, this guy, I'm only going to knock him out, hit him in the head. Like, it's just as easy to run a knife through him. Plus, that eliminates somebody else in the hallway with you. So that should have been a clue right there that Richie was in on it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say I should have caught that one. It mm-hmm. did seem strange to me that I noted, like, oh, geez, killer's killing everybody else. This guy gets a knock on the head. Yeah. Um, But then... 
it's this it's the game on the phone and I've got your sister right here and blah 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 why are you talking to me to stall for time and then boom pop out of the elevator <laughs> I don't know yep. it's it just again just seemed like if you've really got a plan you got to just do your plan I, I my suspension of disbelief was just very thin there. What yeah. what did you think about that whole hospital fight scene? Plus, there's nobody in the hospital. But yeah. then I mean, they said earlier as... that they were going to move her to her own private floor. But how many how many hospitals? I mean, in all these horror movies, people get moved to private floors. How many hospitals have private floors that they can spare? Yeah, but there's no private floor. Doesn't mean like empty. Everybody out. <laughs> Well, the people that were working the desk were dead, right? We saw that. Tara saw that someone was dead on the ground. Yeah, I know. Desk. It just... I, 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 I agree with you. That scene, that whole sequence felt off. Um, and that's... There are two places where I thought this Richie is probably in on it. And it was in Dewey's trailer when he said, the boyfriend's always the killer. Or, you know, whatever he said. I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay. It's probably except Richard. except the and, reason I didn't completely fall for that is because the boyfriend was not the killer in Scream Two, right? But this is a requel, so things are parallel to the first movie, not sequel rules, where exactly. it's actually not the one that's close. So I, that's why I was like, "Hmm, this makes sense. Could be him." Uh, and then what made me really think it was him was when, like you said, he kind of got cut on the arm and then hit in the head, and that was it. But then I went back on it later because he's like, he, he really wants to get out of town and he really wants to leave and he keeps telling her we got to go. And so I thought, well, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not him because he's trying really hard to convince them not to go get the inhaler at the, at uh, Amber's house. And also what a weak, weak reason yeah. to go back because all she had to do because they were trying so hard to convince her all she had to go is you know what i'll be fine i'll just do my breathing exercises just go let's just find me some histamine or something and that'll mm -hmm. get me through she could have easily <laughs> then what was he going to do no you're right yeah <laughs> let's yeah. go get that inhaler yep yeah things always work out perfectly in these movies to get people where they need to be in the final act and you just have to suspend that disbelief. And so that's what I do when I watch movies like these. I suspend it. But yeah, there are some things like that whole hallway scene which make me pause. And the fact that they killed Dewey, it did suck, right? He wasn't supposed to survive the first movie. Then he wasn't supposed to survive the second movie. And now he survived so long knowing he actually died was like a gut punch. I will agree. That... That was not necessary, in my opinion, mm -hmm. to kill him off. That, to me, felt like, now do I even want to watch these Scream movies again, knowing where it goes? There's no Dewey. <laughs> like, it, it, you know, it's, it's like watching your old, you know, watching your old favorite sitcoms. Oh, there they are. They're still out there, you know, <laughs> working in the office or yep. going to Cheers for a drink. And now it's like when Scream comes on, the first thing I'm going to think is, oh... Dewey dies, mm -hmm. even if he doesn't die in that particular movie that I'm watching. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. It's it's hard. It's hard knowing a fan favorite and a personal favorite is gone, and they are making more. They've already greenlit 
Scream 6. So oh they're they're writing the script, and I don't know if they're going to try to start filming at the end of this year or early next year, but my guess is that they're going to try to get it in the can so that it comes out in 2023. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens from here on out. If Going back to the cast, if Sam is the lead in the next movie, I don't know that I'll be in any rush to see it. Because Melissa Barreras, no offense to her, but she's a terrible actress. <laughs> she was in this movie and acted like a piece of cardboard or maybe a two by four. And she was also in In the Heights, same thing, acts like a, a wooden doll. I just can't, I don't know that I can watch her again in another movie where I need to care about the stakes of these characters. But hmm. what did you think of her? Were you uh, fine with her? Yeah, I was fine. Didn't didn't sway me one way or the other. I I was honest. I was in I was in my seat for the OGs. Yeah, yeah. And if there aren't going to be any OGs in the next one, I don't know. I don't know if I have any real care or connection to the franchise mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. Well, they they have said that. Nev Campbell has said she'll come back if the script is good. So I think they're going to make sure. I don't think they'll move forward without her. So at least, you know, she'd be back. And I don't know if you caught that, but when she was talking to Dewey on the phone, she said her husband's name was Mark. And the detective from Scream 3 was Mark. And they kind of had a little thing by the end of the movie. So I wonder if he's the Mark. And I wonder if Patrick Dempsey was the character. I wonder if he'd come back if he really is the Mark that she married. Because that'd be interesting. It's just... So, to go by Scream's own, quote, rules, we have to still establish a connection. There's got to be a reason. Mm-hmm. So what would a Scream 6 have a reason? Like, like you said, this is a requel, so the boyfriend is in play. So now in the next one, is another parent in play? Is like we're we're yeah. running out of family connection here. Yeah, I think it's it's got to be Martha Meeks at this point. <laughs> Heather Matarazzo is going to be the killer in the next movie. <laughs> like. I can't get any peace. Poor Randy can't can't live in peace. My poor brother. I'm going to kill everybody. I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do for the next one. It doesn't... I don't know where they could go from here, but I also didn't know where they could go in Scream 4. And I didn't know where they could go with a re- requel for Scream 5. And like I said, this one has been my favorite since Scream 2. So I'm on board to see what happens. I just don't know if... if um, Melissa is the lead as Sam in the next movie if I'll be running to the theater or to digital to watch it. But anyway, so yeah. so Judy Hicks bites the dust. Um, what did you think about that? Did you care about her as a character in 4 enough to care that she died in this one? No. No. She had a pretty brutal death. Uh, and it was very tense. That's one of the sequences that I, I really enjoyed was when Ghostface called her and um, Ghostface called her 
that her son was home alone. And so she turned the car around and we kept going to cuts of him just acting like none of his friends had just been murdered recently, taking a shower, walking around his house with his headphones in, just doing his thing, not really worrying that he's potentially a target. Mm-hmm. Um, but I liked the tension because they had him open a cabinet and the music swelled a little bit and then he closed the cabinet and there was nothing there. And he opened the refrigerator and the music swelled a little bit and then it closed and there was nothing there. Right. Yeah, it was those fine. Are the, it was those well are done. The, yeah, those are the well-done jump scares that you liked from horror movies, that you liked from horror movies that were in the original Scream. And so I really appreciated that sequence in this. And then Judy's running to the house screaming for her son and Jack Quaid's Richie as Ghostface comes out and, and just brutally murders her right in her driveway. Or her entry. Yeah. Uh, I liked... Uh, another scene that I did like was uh, Martha... Or not Martha. the Whoever Randy's niece was on the couch watching this scene mm-hmm. from Scream where yep. the ghost face is behind Randy and now ghost face is behind her. But she's actually watching... The, th- that, that was a level of meta I really could get behind and appreciate i guess mm-hmm. the other reason I, I i started this off talking about that whole like 10 to 12 minute segment there it's because it was just so much talking yeah like screen movies are not about talking they're about showing <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. randy's little rule sequences are two minutes yeah but this was like we have to tell the entire audience. We have to give them the big wink here. And it's like, oh man, you're yeah. you're you're making me not interested in everything else you have to show me after this. Yeah, I don't disagree. I think that it had to be that long because this is a requel and they're not betting that anybody's seen the, the original. They're hoping you've seen the original, but they're not betting you have. So they have to give you more. It is, it's the exposition dump that we always hate in movies. And that's what that scene was. It wasn't just the rules. It was also the exposition dump. Right. Well, and that's, um, that's unfortunately where these requels mm-hmm. just, they need to, they just need to be better written. They need to be better yeah. movies. Like that was one of my big problems with Ghostbusters Afterlife was one of the big dramatic quote unquote scenes is the granddaughter of Egon talking on the phone Mm-hmm. To Dan Aykroyd, Ray Stance in another state. Yep. Like that was so dull. That is just. Yep. Agreed. And I agreed with you on that. Like I can at least say, I can at least say like for as much as I wasn't a big fan of it, Force Awakens did very little. Let's sit you down and get you caught up with what the galaxy is and where we came from and blah, blah, blah. They still moved pretty fast. There are no long explanations. Yeah. Now they're also way too short on them as the movies progressed, which is because they want you reading all the other books and TV shows, et cetera, et cetera, seeing all that stuff to fill in those blanks. So that's actually Mm -hmm. where, I'll say the Star Wars franchise suffered is they left too many holes. They didn't even go back and fill them in later. Right. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's just, it's too much talking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 
the sequence at the end, I, I want to just highlight that before we finish this off, is that the the parallel between the original movie and this movie is that they take us back to Stu's house, which is the same house that was the end of the first movie where there was a mm-hmm. house party commemorating commemorating the dead. And so now they're at the same house, which is where Amber lives, and they're commemorating the dead. And so it's a good parallel, which is why it's so funny to watch Mindy watching the first Stab movie, which is somebody acting as her uncle with the ghost face coming behind her because it's it's that space. It's that room. It's the same exact place it where is, it all happened is. in the first movie, which I really, really thought was cool. Um, and the going to the garage for beer, the um, the uh, what do you call it? The the closet, you know, opening the closet and there's somebody there. Um, mm-hmm. The the kitchen, it's the same kitchen. It's just been modernized a little bit more, which is cool. It's got the same corners and the same place of the, placement of the sink. I just really liked those attention to details that they had for the end scene. Um, but then, of course, we get the lot, lot, a lot of misdirections of, well, maybe it's Tara or maybe it's Liv or maybe it's Chad. Where's Chad been? And then Chad gets cut up. Um, and then where's Richie Benno? We went to get beer by himself. Um, so it's a lot of these misdirects that we then get to Amber just shooting Liv in the head, which seemed kind of out of place when she's screaming, I'm not the killer, I'm not the killer. And then she just pulls out a gun and shoots. I don't, I don't know. Um, but everything was moving so well for me until that very reveal that end reveal sequence i liked the parallels i liked where everything was going until amber just shoots live because i didn't see amber as a killer yeah that they didn't do i don't think unless somebody forced me to rewatch it i don't remember anything specifically that made me think she was on the table any more or less than anybody else yeah which is kind of what you're supposed to think right we're supposed to not know who it is, but I just didn't ever see a point where she was the killer, except I think at one point she talked about how bad the new stab movie was. Well, I suppose it's just, and you can correct me on this. I'm pretty sure in the first one, it was also a surprise that there were two killers. Yeah, that's true. So, Knowing that two killers is in play, I I honestly, not knowing who was who, I didn't believe for a second that there was only one person doing these things because there's no way one person could have been. Right. So, so to that end, that is where, yeah, you're supposed to think anybody's in play, but when there's definitely two, you can see where Richie, I guess for the most part kind of got his ideas and he motivated everything along but how and why he got his partner just by what chatting online with her or something yeah dread it they called it it's like yeah but for horror movies he just found another kid whose childhood had been ruined and but i think it goes a little deeper than that because she was living in Stu's house and she found information about the murders from the house and from people around town and so she she knew more. And I think it was kind of a combination of both. Like 
Richie loved the movies and the movie stab eight ruined his childhood. But then Amber had all this like knowledge about what really happened. And so when they connected sparks flew, I guess <laughs> they knew they needed to become a murderous duo. Yeah, I, I guess I just, I she did know. get a good death scene. I'll say that with uh, Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell coming in and shooting her and then torching her with, uh, with alcohol. And then she goes on the, on the stove and lights on fire. And then she runs out and gets shot. <laughs> oh, speaking of end scenes. So I'm also confused what kind of police force Woodsboro has, because in some scenes you can't even get a second cop to be at the hospital and then at the end, you've got fire trucks and ambulances and more cops than, you know, Brooklyn. So it's like, I don't understand who's on duty at what point and why you, you can't, you can't even find a rent a cop. Yeah. It makes it seem like in, in Scream 4 also, it makes it seem like there are only four cops that rotate in Woodsboro's small sheriff department. Right. But, but then at the end of this, or really when Judy dies there's a bunch of people and then at the very end again like you're, you're right there's fire trucks there's ambulances there's a bun- bunch of cops it's very interesting um i wonder if uh perhaps uh because it's obviously it's a definite nod that the final shot is the you know drone shot mm-hmm. wide pull out and there's a reporter in exactly Gail Weathers' yep. outfit. I wonder if that actress will be part of the next oh, maybe. one. Because again, maybe. if we're doing parallels, then, oh, but how many? <laughs> See, now I think I got to quit at five. I think I do. Because <laughs> cause now six is going to have to recap the events of all of these movies. Because you can't... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Thorough reporting would not allow you to stop at, you know, oh, these two teenagers killed these other teenagers and and a police chief because because it's like, well, why? Well, because back in the 90s, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is such a long story to recount every time it's on the news. It's like, I can only imagine what the... Uh, rule scene is going to be like in yeah. six. Yeah, I don't know where they could go with this. A sequel to a requel? I don't know what the a rules sequel, are for that. Right. A sequel to a requel. It's like, it's going to take forever to go through who was who and why this person mattered and why this person, you know, I, I'd honestly, I'd like to see like maybe um, Maybe some relative of Dewey's that's not a crazy serial killer, but it's there to kind of uh, uh, death wish it all. Tie up all the loose ends. And just go kill the killers. Mm -hmm. Like a vengeance killing, not a crazy psychopathic for the movies killing. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. a uh, Charles Bronson type. (laughs) Interesting. That's an interesting thought. I don't know, because just... (sighs) the crazier and crazier people just isn't like I said, I never bought the mom's motivation and scream too. Like, why do you kill all these other people? Why don't you just kill Nev? She's the one who killed your son. 
Yeah. Like so much think, of this could have gone wrong on you at any point. I think what they'll have to do in Scream 6 is tie back to Scream 4 because there are a bunch of characters that were left on the table in Scream 4 that we didn't see any play from. Like Kirby, Hayden Panettiere's character, she survived. Um, so she could be in the next one. I don't, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what they do in the next movie. The only other thing I want to call out are just some of the fun little tidbits to the movie. Like Matthew Lillard was the Chrome ghost face that they showed a quick shot of in the stab eight movie. Um, that was him. So that was kind of cool little cameo for him. Plus they used all these people's voices in the, um, in the party scene when they all said to Wes, all these different people from screen movies of the past did voiceover work to, to yell to Wes because this was like for Wes Craven. Hey, to Wes. I like even though Wes was the character name of Judy's son who died, which brutal scene, the knife through his neck was just crazy with the camera following the knife down. I was awesome. And, terrifying but they're partying to Wes and so uh, Matthew Lillard's voice Drew Barrymore's voice Adam Brody Hayden Panettiere Henry Winkler Jamie Kennedy Marco Beltrami who wrote the mute the scores for all the movies all these people just did voiceovers to, to say to Wes so that they could like you know pay their respects to Wes Craven I like that yeah uh, that was pretty cool because even Scream 4 he he was a part of you know he directed that was the last movie that he made so this is the first screen movie, obviously, without him. So them naming a character after him and then having a party to say to Wes is really, I think, a nice little nod. Yeah, so anyway, I agree. with all that being said, we know Chad and Mindy survive. We know Sam and Tara survive. And then, um, you know, Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell are both always going to be final girls, I think. Those six people, at least, could be a part of this, plus Hayden Panettiere from Scream 4. So who knows what, what we'll see or who we'll see, but I think those seven people could be part of the next movie. I mean, why um, Nev Campbell would return to Woodsboro now, again, regardless of who mm -hmm. got killed there, there's no reason she should go back and put herself in harm's way. There's absolutely right. no reason now. And I'm not just saying that from like a character point of view. I'm like a script point of view. Well, I think we just make the movie go completely off the rails and she and Courtney Cox are the killers. Now, see, I wouldn't mind that, honestly. That's another one I wouldn't mind is that all of this has snapped. Mm-hmm. And she has just like seen so much and been so close to it that it's just screwed her up. Like if, if she isn't in therapy, like for real, you know, like she's, she's, you can't see all that and not have it have some effect on you. Yep. Yes. Agreed. I like that. Uh, Dewey and Gail had a moment together which also means David Arquette and Courtney Cox had a moment together because they were married in real life and didn't have the best breakup, I think. Just like the characters on the screen didn't have the best breakup. So it seemed like in that scene where they were talking to each other, it was like they were really talking to each other, mm -hmm. which I thought was kind of nice. And it seemed very 
vulnerable and very real. So that was that was a nice moment too. I agree. But anyway, did Scream 2022 or Scream 5 ruin your childhood? Five Cream was interesting. Um, it didn't ruin it. It just, it really made me, more than even the Scream series, but any of the requel-type movies that we've been watching, more than any of them, maybe maybe the second most would be the way they handle The Matrix and all the talking they did at the beginning of The Matrix. But more than anything, it's really made me question why I would want to see any more requels for any other franchises. Because just so much time has gone by and I have yet to see one that does even a 70% perfect job of making sense. I think I think all of these have just been such a stretch as to who they decide to include, why they decide to include them, how much effort they put into them. I think a movie like No Way Home is different than these because that's that's not I wouldn't say that's a requel or anything that's just its own movie but it shows you how you can do a good job of tying in the previous iterations and I just think that like we've got Indy 5 coming up soon mm-hmm. and I'm oh boy I'm, I'm nervous for that especially after Crystal Skull just knowing Harrison Ford's age right now, how much am I going to believe the action stuff? And does that mean that he's not going to be in it as much? Uh, we've got Jurassic Park coming up. That, that, unfortunately, I know I just said how many movies am I going to come out for anymore. Uh, I, I've always said, you put, you put dinosaurs on the screen, I'm there. <laughs> Yeah. I'm, I'm there hands down. So I'm super excited to see how they handle because from that trailer, I love when uh, Ellie Sadler looks up and goes, Alan Grant. And I'm like, oh, that mm-hmm. is so, so good. So I'm really hoping that Jurassic Park can kind of show us, you know, be, be on the, uh, be closer to the uh, No Way Home side of things than the... Uh, scream five side of things so did it ruin my childhood no but i will say this to summarize everything i just said it's really opened my eyes to what am i going to be able to expect from any sort of requel reboot sequel re-energize re-franchise that might come out in the next five to ten years Mm -hmm. it was it was eye-opening yeah and i think i think we're gonna have a long life on this on this podcast because it doesn't seem like Hollywood's interested in stopping making these requels. So we'll be talking about them for a long time to come. Did this ruin your childhood? It didn't ruin my childhood. Like I said, I mean, it's my third favorite Scream movie at this point. And I know we harped a lot on what wasn't good, but I think I, I threw out some nuggets of things I liked. And overall, the tone, the way it was shot, aside from Melissa's 
wooden acting. I enjoyed a lot of this film and I enjoyed the twists and turns that it took me on where I didn't know who was the killer or, or which way was up through most of this film. So I enjoyed it and I'll see Scream 6, but again, I will definitely have my expectations tempered because I just, like we said before, I don't know how you sequel a requel, but maybe that's what we'll find out. So yeah, didn't ruin it, but um, I'm still along for the ride. I'm still along for the ride. Not as excited as I was, but this definitely reinvigorated my, my love of Scream because Scream 4 brought it down quite a bit. So that's where I am. Uh, Eric, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me in a trailer park watching Gail Weathers on the news um, crying into a bowl of SpaghettiOs. <laughs> um, Perfect. Or if I'm not there, uh, I'm on Instagram at Eric underscore Walensky or Facebook, Eric Walensky. Uh, Google me. Yeah. Google him. Perfect. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. And also, please follow the show on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Ruin. Eric and I thank you for listening in, and we hope that this look back at Scream 2022, Scream 5, 5 Cream, didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Certain rules to surviving a stat movie. Believe me, I know. Rule number one, never trust the love interest. They seem sweet, caring, supportive, and then welcome to act three where they're trying to rip your head off. Rule number two, the killer's motive is always connected to something in the past. And rule number three, and this is the most important rule, the first victim always has a friend group that the killer is a part of. And look for the killer there. If you can find out why they're doing this, you can figure out who's next. They are people who stab eight ruined their childhood and they couldn't get over it. So they became serial killers, which Eric, <laughs> I know when we get to the final episode of this, this podcast, which will be spoiler alert, rise of Skywalker, we will get our lightsabers out and start cutting people up. We don't, we don't get to talk about <laughs> rise of Skywalker till we're done. I mean, I maybe, maybe I don't, we'll see. We'll table see. that one. All right. <laughs>